0: Welcome to the Rider Up podcast, presented by Visit Virginia's Blue Ridge, America's East Coast mountain biking capital, where we talk about how much we love bicycles. Dan's a crazy downhiller, and John will be walking with a cane in a few years. But nobody loves cycling more than these two. Coming to you from Virginia's Blue Ridge, let's meet the hosts, Dan Lucas and John Carlin.
1: Welcome to the Riders Up podcast, I'm Dan Lucas, I'm here joined with my friend John Carlin, and today we have a pretty cool guest, Um, my buddy, uh, been a friend for a little while, his name is Brian Flack, and he's from Cane Creek Components, and uh, we're going to talk everything Cane Creek, products, the future, the history, Um, so let's get into it.
2: Yeah, so Brian, dude, this is is really cool for me. because uh, I've been looking at your product line and you guys are, are doing gravel. Uh, you've always been in the mountain bike space. First of all, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing?
0: Hey, I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I've been a huge fan of you guys. Definitely Dan up there at Cardinal, one of our best dealers down here in Asheville. You know, us Southeasterners have to stick together. So, uh, hey. yeah. so, so yeah, so thanks for having us. Yeah, and uh, yeah, looking forward to talking to you and talking about Cane Creek and where we've been, where we're going, and all that.
2: So I was looking at the website last night. I didn't realize that Cane Creek evolved from diacom yes but so let's just, let's just get that out there so people understand you guys aren't this like little dinky component company, and some guy with a you know CNC machine decided to start making bike components one day.
0: <laughs> no, we, we got a pretty rich legacy going way back all the way to the to the mid 70s here in the United States, which is a lot of people don 't realize. Um, obviously Kane Creek kind of has the, the headsets on lock and some other product shocks, mountain bikers, but a lot of, I would say most riders don't know that we go back to the seventies with Dicomp Japan. So, um, get your pen and paper ready. We have a little history lesson coming. So, um, all right. yeah, so, uh, so basically years and years ago, back in the seventies, 10 speed road bikes were, were huge. There was a huge boom of them going off in America. Everyone's jumping on these 10 speeds, riding them all over the place, B- big time surge. Um, at the time, a lot of the bicycles, the frames were being made in the U S out of American steel. So you had brands like Schwinn, Roadmaster, Huffy, AMF, classic brands, some of them around, some of them have gone, gone to the side, but, uh, they, they were the bikes to have that were American made bikes at least. So, um, Diacomp Japan was making brakes. They were making big brakes for the road bikes and they're making them in Japan, shipping them to the U S basically the exact opposite of what happens now where everything's made overseas in Asia and kind of shipped to the U S we had kind of was the opposite then. So Japan got smart and said, Hey, why are we building these in Japan and paying pay all this money to ship? Let's just build them in America, where the demand is, where the bikes are, where our customers are. Yeah. So in the mid seventies, they built the building that we're in to this very day. Um, Dicomp Japan built this building in Fletcher, North Carolina, um, basically because it was a pretty cheap place to, to build. It was close to all the manufacturers, the steel that was coming out of East Tennessee and Ohio, Um, all that good stuff and had a really talented labor force here with the skilled and talented folks that live in western north carolina at the time Um, so they built the plant started making brakes and when they started making brakes i mean they were making them we had a forge that glowed bright red that we would stamp brake arms with we had an anodizing lab we had the full-on full-on production here um so that was going super well for a number of years we had several different brake models to fit these bicycles um, fast forward to the, uh, late eighties, early nineties, when mountain biking became a big thing, mountain biking boomed. Like it just, it, when it hit, it, it hit hard and everyone started getting on mountain bikes, looking for ways to improve them, make them better all these good things. Um, and so we were still making these breaks and Pete Gilbert, who is still with cane Creek and at the time was our Our director of sales was at a mountain bike race in Durango, Colorado. And a guy ran up to him and said, Hey, I Pete, I know you work for cane Creek. I got to show you this. And his name was John Radder. And what he had was the threadless headset, uh, and he, so he invented
2: the threadless headset,
0: right? He invented this thing. So this was one hundred percent I- his idea. And for those of you listening that are new to cycling, back in the day, if you wanted to adjust your headset, you had a, you had threaded lock rings and washers on a threaded steer tube that you had to adjust just so, and the bearings were loose. And they would sit in the cups and man, it was like repacking an old trailer hub or something, you know, like you literally would drop balls of of grease in there and then preload this thing using the the threaded washer just enough, but not too much. You know, it it wasn't the best design yet. Quill stems, you know, it really limited what you could do with the bicycle, the head tube, the forks, all that good stuff. So John invented this threadless headset. The way it worked was instead of having a threaded steer tube with lock rings and everything to adjust it, you basically had this thing called a star fangled nut. (laughs)
2: I I remember that word. I remember reading it in Bicycling Magazine. I thought, well, this is hokey.
0: And I I don't know (laughs) if that came from Star Spangled Banner or where he got the name of it. (laughs) That'll be lost to time. I have to find John and ask him. But uh, the Star Spangled Nut basically was then hammered into your steer tube. And using a device, to comp- the crown race, which already existed on on the thread, threaded headsets, the crown race, and you had a compression device via the top cover. And as you would kind of screw the, the, the preload screw into that star-fangled nut, that brought everything together into your head tube. It kind of sandwiched it all together instead right. of having to use these lock rings. And so what that allowed for was you could use different steer tubes. You could use different head tubes. You could do all this cool stuff. Not only that, but it made the headset so easy to install and use and adjust because it used a cartridge bearing or caged bearing system. Um, Basically revolutionized headsets. And we were like, Hey, that's a great idea. Yes. We will buy this patent from you. We will make these. This is awesome. And so we bought the patent, started making headsets. And that's kind of where all of that came from. Um, So interesting at the time was leading up to all of this. Japan. I don't know if they were necessarily looking to get out of U S market or kind of like scale down or whatever. The people at Cane Creek at the time, which at this point was Diacomp USA. We were looking to expand. We wanted to build all kinds of cool products. Mountain biking was coming at you hot and heavy products, new designs, new products, new things were coming out all over the place. We wanted to jump on that wagon. because It was a booming market. And we said, Hey, Diacomp Japan, we want to make this headset. They're like, wait, we only make brakes. You know, we're not really interested. We're like, Hey, I'll tell you what we'll keep making your brakes." but we'll also take this business in a new direction. And they said, Hey, that's cool. And so that's, that allowed us to do the threadless threadless headset and keep our brake line. Um, Fast forward a few more years, Japan was ready to get out. The people that worked here at the time we were doing the headset, we were still doing brakes. We started getting into uh, some newer components, like some, some basic shocks, some wheels, um, a lot of people don't realize that we were also making the first RS1 fork for Rock shocks. Uh,
2: yeah. I, just, I did not know that. Yeah,
0: yeah so actually, yeah, those were being made right here at Cane Creek or DiaComp USA at the time. We also uh, we also had we had Anza, which did the bar ends and also tires. A lot of people may know them for their tires, but back then it was a lot more componentry. So we had some we were dabbling, man. We were looking for ways to do all kinds of cool stuff, and so we're like, hey, we said, hey, DiaComp Japan, what is where does, can we buy this company from? We want to take this over, and they're like, yeah, that sounds great. So Good. we did that, we did that, and we named, we named it Cane Creek because the Cane Creek River Valley is where we're located right here in Fletcher. If you look out our window, there's a beautiful mountain range. The river flows right through there. Um, I see your hat on. I know it's a, it's a trout fishing stream, of course. So, like, uh-huh. you know, yeah. Um, so, yeah, beautiful part of West North Carolina. So, anyway, we, we, we uh, rebranded ourselves as Cane Creek, and the rest okay. is history. I,
2: I got to ask you a question. Where, what, what kind of lizard is that, and why did you choose a lizard? As <laughs> so, to, uh, funny question. So that West is called – that is called a five-lined skink. Something, something, yeah, uh,
0: regionally, they're called blue-tailed skinks yep. um, because that's kind of what all the locals call them. But uh, yeah, the actual name is a five-lined skink, and they are everywhere. Like literally, if you look under a bush, turn a rock over, they're all over the building here. They, they're, they're all over Western North Carolina. They're a really cool lizard. We thought, was, we thought it was a neat thing. And they were, like I said, they were kind of all over our, our building in the grounds anyway. So we, that's why we went with the skink. Um, and that's kind of been our brand ever since. And people see that, they know it. Um, and as it's, it's been working out good for us ever since. And I don't think we have any, any plans to change it, but, uh, but yeah, that, that legacy and that history of Cane Creek that goes back 50 years or more, um, is, is still a part of us to this day. And we still have a lot of the same, um, values same culture, same everything as we did back then. We were making the best bike parts we possibly can. Right here in Western North Carolina, it's the only place they come from. We we know we're not represented over. We don't have like a manufacturing out overseas. It's all right here in, in Asheville, and we love it.
1: I was gonna I was gonna say I wanted to jump into you know the kind of culture. What I, one of the things that drew me to to Cane Creek and to talking to you and Slowy is um it's it's it sounds cliche to say, it, it, but you know like we're a router-owned company for routers. <laughs> but. I can say from personal experience, it is a rider owned company for riders. I've ridden bikes with both Brian and Slowey, uh-huh. Andrew Slowy, who's a good buddy who works there too. And, um, and I think it's really cool. And the other part is like you guys build what you want to see in the, you know, in the marketplace. And um, I've, I've been able, been lucky enough to to use a, a number of Cane Creek products, still use a number of Cane Creek products. If you've ridden a bike ever, you've probably <laughs> been on a Cane Creek headset. Right. Um, and they have a lot of stuff that you probably don't know that exists. And I was hoping we could talk a little bit about some of those products. Um, so right off the top, I mean, headsets, we know, uh, you make everything from the base level headset, uh, like the A headset, <laughs> all the way up to the, do you still make the 110? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. the um, is
0: it still a 110 year warranty? So yeah, that, that's funny. So yeah, our headsets are our bread and butter. That's kind of what we, we, we were put on the map with that threadless headset and every single bicycle pretty much from that point forward started using that design. So we, since we own the patent, obviously we got a lot of money coming in from that, which allowed us to diversify our product line and also make current products better. So as far as headsets, yeah, that's, our, that's still one of our best selling products by volume. Um, they're all over the world, all over the planet. We have good OEM spec with brands like, you know, Yeti, Santa Cruz, Ibis, evil. Um, basically the best brands out there are using the cane Creek headset across the board on every single bicycle. And we, we love it. You know, we love having that recognition and it just speaks to the quality of the product and longevity of the product. So right now, yeah, we have, um, five, five to six different headset, um, designs or models with 40 series being our bread and butter. It's been around forever. Um, that, Fits every single kind of bicycle. Works great on everything. Just kind of your what I call your workhorse headset. Um, one up from that would be called our Hellbender seventy, which features our Hellbender bearings, which is also named after a lizard or a salamander. Yeah, that's, yeah. That, that's a yeah. salamander. Yeah. 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 yeah, sure is. So the the Hellbender, hellbender uh, lives in cold mountain streams. They're super at home and and is you know water and and the mud and then like getting down into it. And so we made this bearing that is extremely tough, triple thick seal, Marine grade grease, full stainless complement inside outer races. Um, one of the toughest, if not the toughest headset bearing on the planet right now. And is perfectly that bearing just like, the Hellbender Salamander is perfectly at home in water and dirt and mud and, you know, in the mountains, in the wet mountains that we have right here in uh, Pisgah. So, um, that's, that's our mid-level headset, really good value to, to performance. And then if you really want to have the best thing you can put on a bicycle, we have our 110 series, and that is 110% we put into this headset. It has a lifetime guarantee, including the bearings. Which a lot of people don't realize, you know, if you have a problem with that 110 level headset, mm-hmm. I don't care what it is. You can, you call us and we will give you the new bearings or a whole new headset. Right away, we we stand by that product because we believe in it, and we know that you're not going to have any problems. So we're confident in putting that <laughs> putting that on there. So even even if you know you want to add, you know, 50 newton meters of preload to your headset, you know, and uh, crush crush the bearings, go go for it, man. We're we're going to help you out. You know, obviously, don't please don't do that. But uh, headset, please please uh, yeah, preload it correctly. Anyway, long story short, that that one ten has a lifetime guarantee, um, and it's it's solid. Um, that thing has been around for us with us, one of our best selling premium headsets. And uh, as a company, that's something we look to do more and more going forward right. is, is, is offer that premium level
2: product. Brian, I, you know, I was looking at your website last night and I noticed that you know, even through the pandemic, you guys were introducing all kinds of new products, 15, 18 new products a year uh, over the past several years. So obviously the company has this deep history that you've shared with us, but you also uh, are very innovative and are, are looking to continue to expand your product line i'm curious where you see the growth in the industry right now and that that could be across road mountain gravel what's what's emerging what what are you guys seeing and what are you projecting
0: yeah um great question because you know as a, especially as a smaller company a lot of people don't realize you know we're only about 50 people deep here at cane creek and that's everybody from the ceo down to the person who you know, simple headsets or maybe, you know, fixes our building, that kind of thing. And uh, so competing with the SRAMs and Shimano's of the world is, is tough. And so it's really important for us that if we do a new component, it, it can't just be a space filler. It can't just be something that is already exists. It has to be, we call it very, we call it a Cane Creek level product. So, um, yeah, we, we try to launch six to seven new components every single year to stay relevant and we have good ideas. We want to make sure we're, we're out there and that we're bringing really cool, unique designs to the market. Um, and for example, our E wings titanium cranks is a great example of a very cane Creek product. You know, there's a lots, lots of great cranks out there. There's carbon ones, really high level alloy cranks. Um, you know, plenty of really what I would call it very premium cranks. Um, but not as premium as we felt they could be. You know, riding here in Pisgah, yeah. anybody who's ever broken a crank arm, hmm. um, had a pedal, pedal fallout, anything like that, you know, had to walk out of the woods there, it, it's a bad time. And so we all were riding these nice high-level carbon cranks and they were great and they were light and they were stiff, but man, they weren't as tough as we wanted. So we thought, hey, what can we do as Cane Creek to make this product category better, suit better, be tougher, be lighter, be, be stronger, just, just premium overall. So that's why we developed the E-Wings Titanium Crank which is stiffer than most carbon cranks, lighter than most carbon cranks in this titanium. So it's obviously way tougher than carbon cranks. And we slapped a 10 year warranty on that because we believe in it so strongly. Um, And that has been a tremendous product for us. That's a really good example of where we took something that kind of already existed, a crank, you know, every bike takes a crank, but we made it, we made it ours. We made it premium and we are getting a ton of feedback on it people love those things they're like oh my god like i'm so tired i've broken two carbon cranks and this thing is you know indestructible and i'm buying it and uh really refreshing to to have like that feedback of like all right you made a thing that speaks to me and i want it and we that's what we kind of that's what we kind of strive to do um that's so yeah mountain bike product. it's a mountain bike and a road product so and we do them, we do yeah, we do the e-wings titanium cranks for for mountain bikes and 170 175 and 165 millimeter lengths, and they're they're boost space, so they fit modern bikes. And if you have a gravel bike, a road bike, or an older mountain bike, we have an all-road version to fit um, anywhere from 135 to 142 uh, dropouts uh, of space. So um, plenty of options for you. We also have the bottom brackets to complement that, which is a new product for us. We've only been doing bottom brackets for a couple of years now. Um, But since we have that legacy of, of cup and bearing systems with our headsets, it was a natural progression to the bottom bracket. Um, so now we have some really nice bottom brackets with our Hellbender 70, which fits every single kind of crank out there. You know whether they have Shimano Dub, FSA 30 millimeter spindle cranks, like Race Face, for example. We fit all that with a nice stainless bearing, 7000 series alloy construction. You can oh. service them all day. Then if you want to go to the upper upper level, similar with our 110 headsets, we now have the 110 bottom bracket that also has a lifetime guarantee on a bottom bracket, which is absurd. Um, bottom yes. brackets are are the wearable product. You know everybody's had creaks, everybody replaced them. We made one that you don't have to, basically. Um, and so that's that's another example of, of a product where we made a, a very Cane Creek level product. You know, a lot of people are making bottom brackets. We wanted to make one that was basically a lifetime piece.
1: Yeah, I, have, uh, I do have a set of E-wings. And wow. I, I love to tell people that I own them. Because it's like a jaw drop. And, um, I will say, uh, as far as the fit, finish and quality of a product, right. it is one of the highest level things I've ever purchased or ever gotten from my own bike. I actually, long story short, how I got it, we can talk about that later, but anyway, <laughs> I got these things and, um, the, they are stiffer. They are stronger than any other crank. You can feel a carbon crank flex these things. Um, you, you feel how stiff they are, but the thing that I like is it kind of – that titanium takes a little bit of that high-frequency vibration out of your feet. It's a little bit more supple feel. Uh-huh. That's the best way I can describe it. it. It feels stiff when you put the power down, you get the power down. But um, it doesn't feel harsh on your ankles and the balls of your feet and those muscles. And um, it is a very, like, it's a Cane Creek product, a Cane Creek level product. It's great. I've owned, I I still own a Helm. Uh I own um, a couple other Cane Creek products. And and so I'm a big fan I'm a big, you know, I'm a Southeast Virginia boy. So I'm a big fan of the the company and the philosophy behind it.
2: I, I was looking at some of the prices, and this is in the unobtainium. (laughs) Uh, but i will tell you that i have broken two cranks on my road bike and one of them i was writing about sprinting up a hill one day and the thing just snapped off and it was altegra the shimano altegra crank on my road bike it snapped off my front wheel went in a ditch and i literally there was a foot and a half between a phone pole and a street sign and my shoulder's Went perfectly between those two, (laughs) or I probably wouldn't be sitting here. (laughs) That's insane. Wow. I mean, because I was going full out, and this thing just went, I didn't even know what happened. And when I landed, I looked down, and it was still, the crank was still connected to my shoe.
1: Yeah. Yep. If people are curious right. about the, the strength of the E the wings, there's a hilarious video. I assume it's still on the website of Slowy doing like a zip line yeah. and, stuff, <laughs> and like bending them with a with a press and all kinds of stuff. I mean it's it's really pretty. So awesome.
0: yeah, we, we have so we, we have a full R and D lab. I mean every King Creek component is designed, prototyped, tested born out of our R and D lab right here in, in Pisgah, right? Right, you know, we, we test in Pisga, we call it Pisga born. We have some of the best world-class riding in the entire world. Some of the most technical and like bike destroying trails that exist on the planet. Um, and so it's a perfect backyard for us to go out there and try all this stuff out, test it, do new things. I mean, a lot of people realize, you know, don't even realize they all the things that we've tried to do and never made it to market. Cause we couldn't make it the way we wanted to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh-huh. kind of to spe- kind of to speaking to, to where we're heading and like kind of our, our, our focus now is, is again, like we're, 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 Moving toward being that premium brand, our, our new kind of our um, motto is the premium alternative. So there's a lot of stuff out there that's really high level, real high end, expensive, light, cheap or, or light, tough, all that. Um, so what we want to do is take products in that in those categories and just elevate them even further um, or or provide something that is doesn't exist where we feel there's a strong need for it.
2: I know you do all this testing, and I've got, there's so many questions I want to ask. Because Dan works in the industry, you work in the industry. I'm the guy that just reads the magazines and the websites and rides his bike. So that, you know, there's so many like <laughs> general things that I want to know. But you guys just got back from Kansas, right? From Unbound. Correct.
0: That's correct. Yeah, we were at the un- Unbound Gravel Race, which is, uh, I'd say at this point is is the world's premier gravel race. Absolutely. Um, yeah. absolutely. yeah. So, for example, uh, P- Peter Sagan was there this year. We, we were hanging out. He was doing the 100 the hundred meter or mile fun, fun ride, I guess. And, uh, he was out there more just to get, get a lay of the land. But I mean, you have tons of, of, he did race. Yeah. He raced the 100 mile, but he was more doing it like a party race, like kind of fun race. He was, we saw him and he was like topping, like stopping and taking pictures of people and hanging out. But, uh, but you you have a lot of former world, world world-class road professionals racing this thing at a high level. I mean, the, the winner did it in a record time of nine hours and 22 minutes. And se- second place was less than a second behind him. Third place what? was less than a second behind him. Yeah. So they were sprinting so, at the end. They, they were racing, hard racing, 200 miles. There was, you know, and, uh, and th- this is a, an incredible event. It takes place in Emporia, Kansas. Yeah. This is our first time attending the event. Um, they've been doing it for, for quite a while, but this, this is now in the last, I would say, the last five years is when it's been really on, on the, the world stage as far as a premier gravel race. Um, gravel is one of the fastest and newest segments of cycling it's growing incredibly quickly it's kind of like i feel like it's a lot like mountain biking was back in the 90s kind of the wild west where you have lots of different bikes lots of different components things going one direction you got suspension parts you have compliance parts you have bikes and geometries it, it's really changing and evolving extremely quickly um, and it's a great place for a company like cane creek to be where we can be nimble we can be quick we can come up with ideas, prototype, make them, design them, test them, put them in market very quickly to help people out. Um, great example of that product is our, our new eSilk Stem. So the seat posts we've been doing, we've been doing seat posts for well over 20 years. We, we came out with a Thudbuster seat post back in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. That, was designed, that was designed for basically hardtail mountain bikes, which were the only mountain bikes at the time that were I, I really, really… Was,
2: yeah, yep. I, I, was, I, was, I was racing sport back then. <laughs> so.
0: And yeah, uh, everybody, uh, everybody uh, Yeah, <laughs> everybody had their, yeah. They put their long travel Thudbuster on there. And the Thudbuster is yeah. great because well, if you're not familiar with it, it's a seat post with a parallelogram design that kind of rides under the saddle via an elastomer that sits in between this parallelogram. So as your rear wheel hits an object and moves upward and towards you, the Thudbuster counteracts that by moving backward and rearward. So basically it takes the bumps off. It works super good. It worked extremely well for, for hardtail mountain bikes, um, but then, you know, around late, late nineties, early two thousands, full suspension mountain bikes started getting really good. They started figuring out the, just those designs, everything got better. So the Thud Buster kind of faded, um, and was kind of lived in the kind of the, I'd say the backwaters of, of mountain biking for a while, but it, you know, it wasn't like a sought after component for the most part. And then give it uh, about eight, eight years ago, seven, eight years ago, holy cow, here comes electric bikes, electric cargo, electric commuter, um, those types of bicycles, Found the best friend with a Thudbuster. Um, yep. So, brands there's several brands, well, not so much in the US, but over in Europe and Asia, bicycle commuting is extremely popular. Most people ride bicycles to and from work. Uh, cargo bicycles are extremely popular for people to use as delivery, uh, taking their kids to school, going to pick up groceries, all that good stuff. And with the advent of electric motors being added to these bicycles, it makes basically anybody can get on a, a bicycle now and commute, go to work, go run shopping, do all these things. Um and it, it's been great. And so brands like Reese and Mueller, who, you know, they're almost like the Mercedes-Benz of electric bikes over in Germany. They 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 make some of the nicest ones out there. They found the Thudbuster, started using it, started specking it on all of their bikes. All the other brands, Pedigo, Max Bikes, all these people started following suit because they saw Reese and Mueller doing it. And so now Thudbuster Boy, i tell you that's that's one of our best-selling components and people don't even realize it. Yeah. That, that's that's that, it's interesting. And
2: yeah. that it's one of huh. your best-selling components. So why would electric bikes want that? Because they're going faster, and people just getting that much bigger of a, of a jolt. They want
0: comfort. Comfort is comfort is key. So people that aren't hardcore cyclists, that aren't used to getting, you know, doing hours and hours of riding over rough terrain that are kind of used to the bumps, they they these new riders who are getting into cycling are ca- very casual riders, they just want complete comfort, complete compliance. They want to get on their bicycle and everything to feel really well. And yeah. there's at the time there was nothing out there like the Thudbuster. We kind of had an, our own, we kind of owned that world. And since, since we've been doing the there's a lot of comparable products out there, but no one's doing it quite the way we're doing it. And as, as, as well as we're doing it with the legacy we have. So basically that Thudbuster kind of found its home there and it's always been a product for us. And then what we discovered was a lot of people sort of these on gravel bikes. When gravel came out, yeah. everyone was looking for compliance because if you've ever ridden a rigid bicycle, whether it be on a mountain bike, a road bike, or on a gravel bike without any sort of compliance it, it, over time, it does beat you up and you get tired, you get fatigue, your hands can hurt, your lower back, your shoulders, all that good stuff. So people that were doing distance discovered the Thudbuster short travel And we're like, hey, this is an awesome little product. Let me put it on my gravel bike and I'm going to go cruise around. And they did that for a number of years. And we saw this. We're like, hey, like people are doing this, but we can do it better. We can make a better product than this. And so we took the Thudbuster design, that parallelogram design that we had dialed in for, we've been doing for 20 years. We took that and put it into our e-silk seat posts, which are been out for three years now. And they have anywhere from 20 millimeters to 35 millimeters of compliance. Same design as a Thudbuster. They use a rubber elastomer that is tunable. We have different firmness levels of elastomer so you can tune it to your rider weight mm-hmm. um the posts come in carbon and alloy versions we do 27.2 and 31.6 we have options for all of you out there and they are l- drastically lighter and more performance driven than the thud so basically we, i call it like a thudbuster light mm-hmm. um if you kind of can picture that in your in your head um and man i tell you there's nothing better for a gravel bike i i we ride a lot of gravel down here in pisgah um, we have miles and miles of, of gated forest roads that are gorgeous. You can go out in, in the mountains and cruise around and it's, it, it's, wonderful. We, we were, we're so lucky to have this. And, uh, boy, I tell you though, after about three hours on a gravel bike and I got done, man, my lower back was so sore. My shoulders, oh man, I was beat up. Um, put the, put the uh, East silk product seat post on my bike. That completely went away. I was able to ride a lot farther with less, more, with more energy, less fatigue, wasn't beat up as much. Um, and that, that, that's been a tremendous product for us. We're doing super well with it. Everyone that's on gravel bikes are discovering it. They're loving it. So we were like, Hey, what else can we do with that?
1: You're talking about the e-silk stem and the e-silk, uh, thud buster. Um, tell us about the EE program or the e-program. Yeah. Um, a- because this is something like the, you know, these products came out of it. The, um, The cranks came out of it. The Mm e-wings came out of this. So this is something also a lot of people don't know about and it's a great program. And if you are somebody who's buying, wants to buy a premium product um, that is meticulously designed, um, the the e-family of products is probably where you want to look.
0: Basically, e-components came about from, I mean, going all the way back to the very, very beginning was, um, a, a set of brothers, um, Edwards and Edwards, Craig, Craig Edwards being the primary designer. Um, he developed the EE brake years and years ago and was doing that on his own. Our CEO, who at the time was at specialized in their special products division, um, loved these brakes and used them on all his bicycles. And so when our CEO Brent Graves came from specialized to cane Creek, uh, one of the first things he wanted to do was, was market these brakes. He believed in them strongly. They're incredibly light incredibly powerful which is rare in a, in a road caliper brake. usually get one or the other um and so we love this design so we wanted to make them so that's kind of where ee came from and then because ee was edwards and edwards cycling that was the original ee moniker and so when craig was selling these ee brakes under his own brand um, that was what it was called edwards and edwards ee brakes that's where that came from so we took that ee line and has basically expanded it. So, um, Craig, Craig Edwards, Craig Edwards was also the guy behind the original sweet wings, which was the predecessor of the E wings. Um, and so we were like, man, we, he, he's a great design engineer, super nice guy, really good cyclist. has a good head for things. And so we kind of, kind of use him as our, um, Kind of, kind of like leading that design side for the EE brake and EE wings. Um, so he helped us out with that stuff, super good. We wanted to keep that legacy going of having the EE line being our, our premium best stuff that we can possibly make. And so that's where EE um, silk seat post came from, EE silk stem, um, the EE nut preload, which is like a crazy super light preload that's really trick. Uh, we have lots of EE products. So basically now the EE line is our premium product that falls under the highest standards of function innovation so basically the best things we can make are our ee components Um, and we will continue to do that and they're they're totally under the cane creek name they're a cane creek product Um, but we just wanted to kind of have that separation of the best of the best being the, the ee product so if you see ee on something you know it's we've done everything we've absolutely could to make this the best the lightest strongest stiffest powerful all that. So that's going to be the best thing we, we can possibly make.
2: So you've got, you got, I want to get back to this gravel stem that you yeah. tell us about. So, so you've got a, a way to get compliance with seat post and now you're adding it to the stem and you've made it. So it's not really, um, it's not super flexy, but it just takes that, that bounce out of the gravel. Right.
0: Correct. Yep. 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 So in, in our in our testing, obviously we have that thudbuster history of like long travel thudbuster, which currently at G four has almost four inches of travel. So it's a lot, right? <laughs> um, a lot of people don't need a lot of people don't need that much obviously on a gravel bike. <laughs> yeah. yeah no, right. Um. So yeah, we decided we we do so much gravel riding down here. Gravel is huge. We've all been doing it. Um. Matter of fact, I was doing it on, a, on a fully alloy bicycle not that long ago, alloy fork and and frame. And boy, I tell you, that's a that was a rattle box, man. It, it beat me up. So um, we wanted to take all this, all of this uh, legacy of compliance products, and put it into obviously the, the seat post and the stem. The stem is great because what we found was that all that vibration that your body is absorbing from the road that comes up from the road into your frame, into your hands, into your body really beats you up. A lot of people don't realize, you know, that small vibration is making you fatigued. It's making you grip the bars harder than you probably should. It's making you maybe ride in a different body position than you probably should. It's making you grab the brakes more than you probably should, um, or need to. And so we wanted to eliminate all that. So the seat post worked super well. We're like, wow, I can't believe how well that works and how much it changed that. W- where else can we do it? Um, and there were all, there were competitors making suspension stems already. They've been out there for a long time going all the way back to, um, the Gervin, if anybody remembers that yeah. brand, Gervin Gir- yeah. stems or Proflex stems. Yeah. I mean, that's going back decades. And so this stuff, this isn't new designs. We, again, there being being cane creek, we want to take a product that was out there and make it premium, make it performance very performance oriented, make it very cane creek. So that's where e Silk stem came from. So basically, the stem, um, the way it works is that an elastomer rides under, basically underneath the stem, kind of where it would mount to your handlebar. Or to your st- uh, fork, excuse me. And then um it's tunable. So the elastomer, just like we have in our thudbuster or our e Silk seat post, there's firmness levels based on how much or how little damping you need. Um it's all about bump absorption. So if you're imagining like a stem that's flexing like crazy, almost like a suspension piece, that's kinda that's not what it is. It's more of something that just tames the bumps, tames all that terrain-induced fatigue that comes up into your frame and into your body, it just takes that out of the equation. Um, Super nice. I was actually on the test crew for this. Road one, road to prototype for months and months and months. Um, not something I thought that I wanted on my gravel bike. So I got big old forty-two C mm-hmm. tires, and I got three and a half mil thick bar tape, and carbon this and carbon that. I've done everything to this bike to add compliance. Thinking I was like, yeah, this bike's comfortable as all get out. Mm-hmm. It was not. And I put these these products, the Eastoxe Post, especially the Eastoxe stem, rode it on my bicycle for months and months and months. Finally took it off, gave it back to the R&D boys so they could do some testing with it, put my rigid stem back on, and hated it. Absolutely hated it, man. I could not get that rigid stem off fast enough. I got, I got so comfortable and so used to having that little bit of give, that little bit of damping to tame the bumps. that like, it, it, was, it was game changer for me. And so the cool thing about our stem is the last elastomer swap is incredibly easy. It takes a 4-millimeter bolt, and you just unthread that from a wedge piece up, swap the Elastomer that you want into where the Elastomer the rides. Thread the, the little wedge piece back in there. Off you go and ride. Don't have to take your handlebars off. You don't have to take the stem off. Really easy to do. And the best part of our stem is that it has a compliance switch. So if you visit gangcreek.com and go into our product page and check out our stem, you'll see, obviously, it looks way different than a normal stem because there's a switch that lives on top. And what that switch does is that it allows you to really firm up the actuation. So if you don't want any movement in your stimmer, or if you want to be like out of the saddle, sprinting up a hill, or if you're on road, or if you just want to kind of reduce the amount of actuation the stem is giving you, you simply turn the switch and it firms it up dramatically.
2: That's so that's my question is, what do you do if, if you want to sprint? You know, yeah. if, you're, if you're in a gravel race or something, all of a sudden you got to stand up. You, you don't want any flex because you, you don't want to lose that energy train.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So that's why we developed our, our, we call it the compliance switch. And what that does, it drives a basic little helix down into the center part of the stem, um, preventing the actuation. It, it's not a full blown lockout because um, there's a slight bit of movement, but boy, it firms it up to the point where yeah, if you're climbing up out of the saddle, sprinting, you, you're going to be getting all of that movement or all that power you're putting down your bicycle is going back in your bicycle. It's not being absorbed by the stem. Um, re- really nice product. Like I tell you, we were out of unbound. Um, first time we've ever been there as a, as a company, you know, we had a booth set up kind of the classic, uh, trade show expo set up. And, um, we had, what was nice is we had a, a bike bolted to a, a fixture out front that had the stem on it. So people could actually walk up to the bike, There's flex it. the stem, turn the switch, figure it out. And boy, you want to talk about light bulbs going off. People were flexing the stem and then they turned the switch. And it would firm up and they're like, Oh my God, like, this is amazing. We need this. And, um, the crazy thing was obviously we, we had a bunch of stems that we took to sell at the event. We often sell when we go to these expos, we'll have a, you know, little, um, square guy on a, on a iPad we can sell our products. We were selling stems right and left. People were buying these things like crazy. I had people put what? them on their bikes pre-race. These guys were going out literally the next day and racing 200 miles and changing their setup. Yes. Because they, they saw the value of the STEM. They like, I, I can't do 200 miles without this thing on my bike. And so it, it was incredibly impactful for us being at Unbound, talking directly to the riders who are going to be using our products, getting their feedback, listening to what they had to say, their concerns, their needs, and then taking that back here to Cane Creek USA and, and telling the boys in R&D, like, Hey, you know, we got something really cool wow. in our hands with this STEM. Yeah, good yeah, job. Yeah. Let, let's see, like, how can we make this better? How can we suit better? Like make it available for more riders. Um, So yeah, the stem's out there now. It's crushing it. We're doing super well with it. People are excited. Um, It's a a really nice product to add compliance to your gravel ride.
1: Let's move away from gravel. And I want to talk about the rear shocks and the forks that you guys are producing. Um, And hopefully put a little, a few more people onto them. Um, I've been on for a number. I've been on a Mark one and a Mark two. I've been on the Kitsuma. I've been on a double barrel. I've been on a bunch of the products that you guys make and I'm a huge fan. And, um, but I still think you guys are relatively small in the suspension market and people don't always think cane Creek. Um, but what makes it different and what is the, I guess, why is, why is cane Creek, um, why should people look at that?
0: Yeah. Exa- uh, yeah. Great question. Uh, yeah. You're, you're right, man. We are definitely a smaller player compared to the, the big guys of the world, you know, your Foxes and your Shocks, for example. Um, you know, they, they pretty much outside of SRAM now that owns RockShox. Um Fox, for example, only does suspension where we're, we're doing all kinds of stuff. You know, we do everything from seat post cranks, suspension, all that stuff. So, so yeah, our suspension line has deep legacy going way back to the, what we call our AD series. AD was for air damped. So we were making shocks back in the nineties that were air sprung and air damped. They didn't have any oil in them. Wow. The, the the damper was basically air and the shocks were light. Um, they even had some adjustability because you could control the rebound via how much air movement you could restrict. And they were really cool. Um, very cool shocks. And believe it or not, these are still in use to this day. I get calls every single day for people with an 85 or an 8010 or 8012 or cloud nine. Uh, I had a cloud nine yeah.
1: cloud nine on a giant and I might still have it in a box somewhere. <laughs> it, that's a, I have no idea what you guys talk. It's a, that, that was a cool yeah. shock, man. Yeah. I thought, yeah, it was, it was, it was yeah. uh, I don't think the cloud was the cloud nine air dance.
0: I believe it was. Yeah. The cloud nine, I believe it should, should have been yet yeah, because we, we got into what I call our double barrel line back in 2000. Uh, this is back in 2005. So, um, Quite quite a while ago, um, and basically what this did, it allowed us. It, it was our first effort into a super premium mountain bike shock. You know, the air the air damp stuff was cool. It worked really well. Bikes were getting bigger, longer travel. Downhill was coming in. They they just need to be better. They need to be tougher. They need to be more robust. Right. And we're like again, we're like we're not going to make a, a you know a, a simple shock that everyone else is making. We're going to do this cane Creek way. And so that's where we had developed the uh, twin tube damper the double barrel that's what double barrels is is a twin tube damper so very similar to what is being used in motor motor shocks you know motorcycle shocks that sort of thing Olin's was doing it at the time this is way before they were doing mountain biking products um so we kind of went to them and said looked at that design and said hey this is a really cool design we love that the twin tube can allow for a lot more uh, range of damping um no one's doing it. We feel like this is a better way to do it. So that's where double barrel came from. The original DB coil was the first one we ever made. Um, back in the day, it had four-way damping adjustment, which was way different from anything out there in the world of mountain biking at the time. Uh, way more of a moto thing, which all the moto guys who are racing downhill immediately loved. They jumped on that. They were like, oh my God, like, we, I know what this is. I'm familiar with this. Um, and the best part, it, it's not just you know something cool to do. There's legit and awesome performance aspects to a twin tube damper Um, the twin tube allows you for for independent damping because then you can route oil through all these different adjusters to basically control the way that damper rides and affects the spring so you don't just have one compression adjustment you have a high and low speed compression adjustment you don't have just one rebound adjustment you have a high and low speed rebound adjustment that allows you to really dial in that shock to perform exactly how you want no matter what bike you put it on and no matter what train you put it on. Um, it, it was huge for us at the time. Um, still to this day, we're still hand assembling every single one of our shocks we put out there, every single one of our forks we put out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so DB coil, original twin tube damper mountain bike shock translated. Uh, we eventually a few years later came out with the air version, the DB air, same design, except we put an air spring on it instead of a coil spring. Soon after that, we did DB Air CS. We added our climbing platform, which is actually a patented climbing platform. A lot of people's climbing platforms are just a lockout. What they do, they restrict compression. They basically close off the compression orifice to make it so the shock cannot yeah, actually I mean, go into. Comp- yeah, I
2: climbing, I just turned it off. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the cool thing about the climb switch is that if you're like us and you actually climb single track and steep and technical single track, yep. um, yeah. As as your rear wheel hits an object, like if you're riding a hardtail or if you have a full lockout, it actually wants to. Bounce off of it, so your, your your wheel hits. It wants to bounce off of it. You lose traction. What our climb switch does, it allows for a heavily damped rebound and compression um, rate. So basically, as your rear wheel hits something, instead of being locked out and it bouncing off like a hardtail, it absorbs just a little bit, and it also rebounds just a little bit. So it conforms to the terrain. Your rear wheel, your rear wheel, the shock acting on the rear wheel makes the shock allow the, the wheel to conform to terrain sort of like a tank track.
1: I've been yeah. able to describe it to people when I was trying to like either sell a product or talk about why it's important is that if you climb with your, your tire pumped way up like you climb with like 35 PSI on your tire, it's real chattery when you're going up roots and rocks and stuff and it doesn't want to, it kind of wants to jump around. If you climb up with your tire at 15 PSI it grabs onto everything and it's a, it's a softer feel and it just wants to grip while you're climbing up that's kind of the way the climb switch on uh cane creek product works in my opinion
2: so you can get that compliance without getting a pinch flat yeah or, absolutely or yeah, up yeah. The sidewall yeah. If you're
1: yeah it, it has the feel of a soft yeah i don't have the feel of a soft tire it's not That's a bad way of describing it it has the feel of the grip you get when you're running lower pressure yeah uh, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have the the negative effect of right. flatting your tire, right? Um, and it, it's a, it is a very different feel. I, I have a consumer shock out there on a bike, and I can put you on that and put you on a different product, and you will feel the difference immediately, right the same second.
0: Yeah. yeah, That that climb switch is is super nice, and like I said, it just and for you know where we ride again, Pisgah born, man, we have yep. a thousand foot roots single on track, on track, track climbs. Yeah, yeah, yeah dude, we, well, we're, the we're out there, roots, the roots and rocks. Yeah. Roots rocks all day long, classic East coast tech. So when we're climbing up, we don't want to lose any traction. We want to have all that power that we're putting out into our wheel, go into the trail so we can get up to the top and go downhill as fast as we can. Um, and so that's, that climb switch has been great. So that's kind of legacy. And then we developed a DB coil CS, which is a coil shock with a climb switch which was, which was very new. And not, if not, I'm not sure if we were the first, but we were definitely one of the first to ever put a climbing platform in a coil shock. Um, and then we have developed our inline or IL models, which are they lose the reservoir they're more compact they're more designed for kind of your trail bikes yeah, short travel um shorter travel stuff so and then we have the coil version for that as well so we have a db coil il which is a really compact cool inline style little coil shock kind of one of its kind um what that allows you to, to basically get all of that great linear coil com- performance in a short travel package you know i ran one on a on a bike that was only a 120 or 130 millimeter rear travel and having a nice coil shock on a real snappy short travel bike, man, especially for we, where we ride here in Pisgah is, is amazing. So that's, that's kind of our shock line. You know, we have right now we're sitting with, um, it's always ebbed and flowed. We phased out our DVCS models and brought in what we call our Kitsuma that, that Dan mentioned. Kitsuma is our, our newest reservoir style shock. Um, basically we went, we went back to the drawing board of double barrel on this one. We, we were riding this double barrel design for a long time, kind of keeping everything kind of the same. We wanted to make, we wanted to make a splash. And so number one with Consuma was our desire to remove the tool to adjust the shock. Normally you need a three millimeter tool. You can adjust your damping it's still great, but man, getting the tool out of your pocket or keeping up with that, um, yeah. you know, yeah. it, it can be, it can be tough. And then if you want to change something, you're like, Oh man, maybe I shouldn't have to figure out where it was. And so what we did with Consuma is we, we now have tool free damping adjustment. Basically you reach down with your hand and you can adjust these things. These adjusters, all four of them, however you want. So literally you can be at the top of a trail and go down it and be like, Oh, I wonder what it's like if I cut my rebound in half, reach down and do it and go take that same run. And you feel it right away. So we, not only do we add tool free, we kept the same damping range, but narrowed what each adjuster does. So now when you turn the adjuster one click, it's you feel that right away. And so mm-hmm. that, what that does, it makes setup for the bike a whole lot easier than before. So you got newer riders who maybe aren't sure where their settings should be. It can be intimidating. Have all four of these adjusters. Now it takes that right off. You have pro tune at your fingertips because if you make an adjustment, you feel what that did and you feel whether it made it better or made it worse. And you can take it back or add more, add less. Um, really nice shock. Super proud of it. It's crushing it. You know, we were nominated for a pink bike suspension component of the year with the Mm. consumer, which for a little small company like us, man, that's huge. Um, again, like we're hand assembling each one of these shocks in house. I mean, uh, the, where i office where I'm sitting now, I can look out the door and I'm looking down and the, like, you know, the, all the guys down there in the shock tech filling, filling the dampers with oil, dynoing every single damper, building yeah. the cylinder head sub assembly. It's, it's, it's a hands-on, far, full-on dude, process.
1: You get to see a signature for, for the person who built your, your component. Um, and I was going to say too, people may feel a little bit, um, uh intimidated when you're talking about like there's high speed and low speed rebound and high speed and low speed compression um but if uh don't let that dissuade you from looking at a product like um like the the double barrel uh or any any of the shock, the shock products for Kane creek and uh, I, i'm hoping maybe we might even be able to get you to come back and do an episode where we talk about suspension and how to set it up properly because it seems like this black magic art that is incredibly hard, but with uh, a little bit of information, you can really set up a bike to feel like it, absolutely incredible. Like it could be a, like a life-changing <laughs> ride for you to set up right. And um, and I think uh, I just wanted to say, yeah, quickly, that, that that's something that uh, a highly adjustable shot can give you. Um, a lot of times people are set it and forget it. There's tinkerers out there and they love a Cane Creek product and a lot of downhill racers. Uh, like I'm going to go ahead and just – just tout my my little team of downhill kit rippers uh-huh. they love they love a cane creek when they see them on, on shot a lot of guys on the downhill southeast circuit are running them when they see them they point them out and they talk about them because they can tinker and they can do that stuff so okay. um but so don't be afraid uh if you have questions you can always email router up pod uh at gmail.com and i will do my best to answer those questions
0: a- absolutely i mean i think suspension you know there's for for mountain bikers, there's there's very few things that can really up your level Absolutely. on uh, of your ride. One of them being premium suspension. One of them being premium tunable suspension. A lot of people don't realize that you know, maybe their OEM shock that came on their bike. Um, a lot of these manufacturers, you know, they they don't know and and to their credit, they're not sure what type of riders maybe use on their bike. So for example, yeah, they, tune um, everybody. they, tune they tune, everybody. They tune. They tune. They do. They they try to they try to suit a wide range of riders. Be a one tune. Um And the only way they really tune their shocks is via the compression, uh, the shim stack on the on the damp, damper shaft and how much that's pushing oil and flexing and those shims are flexing. So that's a, a lot of ways, a lot of riders are going to be left without as without getting the performance that they, they should be getting and they could be getting simply because their shock isn't as adjustable as it could be. Um, and so that the best part of our Cane Creek shock is the fact that you do have pro tune at your fingertips, especially on the consumer. You can set that shock up to ride. However you want. I mean, we used to get a lot of calls back in the day of like, "Hey, man, I want to send my shock back to you guys to get revalved for my riding weight, um, or I need to get my uh, retuned for my weight." And I try to explain them like, "Hey, you don't need to send it to us. You have that ability yeah. via three mil Allen key or now with the consumer with your fingertips to tune your shock however you want for whatever bike you want. Um, it's it's pretty amazing to see. We do we do a um, event called Test and Tune. So we'll go out to local trailheads, um, bicycle shops, events." And for example, we're out a Canuga a few weeks back doing a test and tune Canuga bike park down here in, uh, in Hendersonville, which is huge, really awesome place for us to go ride and test. Um, so basically we set up in the parking lot and say, Hey man, can we help you tune your shock? It doesn't have to be a cane Creek shock. It can be anybody's shock. Um, and we'll talk to you, understand what you're getting, what negative performance you're feeling. And, you know, we'll set you up, send you off on the trail. You do a rip, come back, let us know what you like, and we'll talk you through it. And, well, it only takes a couple of laps and, and man, you see riders just coming back smiling. They're so happy. They're getting way better performance. They're hitting corners faster. They're hitting jumps more confidently. They're riding through the chunder way more easily. Um, yeah, good suspension is, is key. And not only good suspension, but keeping your suspension serviced. That's something I definitely would, uh, our service manager, Nate Field, would be uh, ups- upset at well, me if I did keep- not mention this. But yeah, no matter what you're riding, please, please keep your suspension serviced at please, least once please. a year. From from
1: a professional mechanic, (laughs) from the guy who works at the company that makes it, uh, please service your stuff. uh, Because number one, it will ultimately be cheaper. And number two, you're going to smile a whole lot more when you're riding the bike. Um, Oil breaks down in your shock just like it breaks down in your car. Like there's a reason you have to change it every 3,000 miles. Same deal, like that. There's a reason why there's 150 or a 200-hour service on rear shocks and forks. It's because your performance is gonna be decreased when that happens.
2: Okay, so so here's the deal, guys. I'm a set it and forget it guy. (laughs) I ride cross country, uh, and uh, I am riding a 2015 Santa Cruz Tallboy. I've pimped out the wheels. I've I've uh, converted to a one by. Uh, I do need to upgrade my brakes, but I have, other than locking out my shock <laughs> when I climb, and it's got like two settings, right? It's yeah. got like trail. Yep. It's got, it's got three. It's got trail, full, and, and quote unquote off. Yeah. That's it. Everything you guys have talked about, I have no clue. Yeah. I, I mean, it, this is so far above my head, and, uh, and Brian, if you're telling me that you can make a difference for me... That's awesome. We need to have you come up here to Virginia's Blue Ridge and ride That's out of Cove and do the industrial <laughs> thing. He has a standing in whenever right, he wants. Right. Absolutely, guys. <laughs> we'll, I'm I'm there. We'll take we'll <laughs> take the podcast. Hell, I'll come down there. We'll take the podcast. We'll take the microphone, and you can walk us through all that Yeah. for people who might be listening. Who are not like at the high end, like you and Dan are.
0: Sure, and I, th- I think everyone can benefit from it. I mean, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say everyone needs a Can Creek shock. Absolutely not. I think um, a lot of riders are totally comfortable in what they have, and they're not really looking to progress or get much. You know, to get faster, they don't want to hit bigger jumps. They don't want to ride scarier lines. They don't. They're not looking to really up their mountain bike game. They're just casual riders and. Absolutely. We, you know, maybe the Cane shock isn't the best thing for you, but Hey, we maybe make a headset or a bottom bracket or something else that can really help, help that bicycle. So, um, but yeah, in terms of suspension, if you're the type of rider who's been riding for a little while and you're, you're definitely like mountain biking is for me, man. This, 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 this is my sport. Um, I love going out there with my friends. I want to get better. We're pushing the level. We're to ride at a higher level. Um, that is a great candidate for somebody to get on our product off of the, the spec shock or the OEM shock that came on their bike because, um, first off the bat, twin tube shocks have a higher oil volume. Mm-hmm. So therefore they're going to have better damping. They're going to resist fade or heating up a lot better. You're going to get better performance right off the bat by going with a twin tube damper. Um, secondly, we have, um, depending on what shock you go to, we have really, really firm, uh, air spring rates. So for example, um, we have low running pressure. So if you're a smaller rider, you don't weigh very much, you can run one of our forks and shocks and still get hundred percent of the benefit where other, other competitors may require a higher minimum pressure where you're not going to get the most out of it.
1: The pressure required to not dive through the mid travel is kind of a big problem on some other competitors products that I have used in the past. Um, and what I mean by that is you go from that supple top stroke and you blow through that and the mid stroke, and then you're sitting in the bottom of the travel of the the shock. And that's not necessarily a place you want to be, especially if you're out in technical terrain. Um, and, uh, that is one thing with a twin tube design. I don't feel like you lose that mid-travel. And this is getting into the weeds about. You're,
0: you're, <laughs> nah, now we know. Uh, Boy, we're really nerding uh, out now. Out
1: of, out of it. <laughs> as, a, as a bike certified uh, bike nerd and, uh, and mechanic, these are the type of things that are important to me when I'm riding my bike.
0: Yeah, and you're you're speaking to the choir, bro, man. I, I, I love this. I love talking suspension. I started at Cane Creek as a shock technician. My first job here was building Double Barrel. Did that for three years. Moved into customer service sales. I've done lots of things. I worked at the OEM sales channel, so I worked directly with with brands trying to have them, you know, selling them our, our opponents and components. to so use uses OEM specs. So, uh, and a huge part of that, obviously the, the suspension side is testing, tuning, riding and getting across all the, all the positive benefits that a cane Creek shock can do for the bike and for the rider. Um, and that goes for our shocks. Also the fork, I mean, the helm forks been out there for you over four years now. Um, also was nominated as a, as a component of the year for, for pink bike suspension component. Um, I love the fork. Really, really cool thing about that is very much cane Creek way we did things is you can adjust the air spring manually so you can set negative and positive air chambers at different pressures. And like I said, this is kind of getting into the nerd, uh, the weeds here on a suspension, but that, it, 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 that can, for the tinkerers for the tuners out there, boy, that, that's a, that's a game changing uh, tunability feature that the helm offers. Again, these are all made right here in North Carolina and hand assembled. So the guys touching your fork and shock and building your fork and shock our mountain bikers. I mean, these guys know what they're doing. They care. They know where these shocks are going. They know that people are going to be using them and they want them to get the best, best possible experience. And so we, we don't rush things. We don't take cut corners. Um, we, we take pride in every single piece we send out of cane Creek. Um, regardless of what it is. And you know, we just keep making the, the better stuff, but, uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty special. Now I invite anybody listening to the podcast. If you find yourself in Asheville, North Carolina, and you want to come do a factory tour and see all of this go down, we would love to have you. Uh, we'll show you how we show you everything we do. We'll take the whole building. Um, you can go to our website under the uh, contact us page, and you can click a link to sign up for a factory tour. So yeah, come come on by. We'll show you where we make the donuts. It's awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was gonna um, I was gonna say. Uh, so we've talked about where we are right now, where you've been, but what is next? For Cane Creek, can you give us any secrets, uh, <laughs> secret insider info on what you're working on, or where you might go? You have any products that you're ex- excited to break into?
0: Um, yeah, we're uh, we're bringing back 26 inch wheels, guys. We're we're, gonna, right. we're, 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 we're bringing them back from the dead. Oh <laughs> man, no. I, there's there's a lot of guys out there. They heard that they're like, oh my god, thank god my yeah, 26 is lot. not dead. But yeah. no, just just in all no, we're kidding. But in, in all seriousness. Um, King Creek, so being a, I, I am in sales, so my my title here is Rider Engagement Manager, and I cover dealer retail and customer service, and r d guys know better than to tell me anything because I will go and tell ev- the entire world about what they 're working on in the back but uh, um, but no, one thing we are looking heavily on and kind of going back to our East Silk, um seat posts and stem is gravel. man Gravel is the fastest growing segment of cycling. It's it's again it's the wild west. Components are coming over right, you know, left and right. New stuff. It's unique and interesting. Um, my favorite thing about gravel is that there's a very small learning curve to get into it compared to road or mountain. Um, mountain biking can be kind of intimidating, be kind of scary for a lot of new riders. Road can be kind of scary because you have to have this. You know, obviously you're on the you're on the road, sharing traffic.
2: Yeah, right.
0: So gravel gravel is awesome because anybody can ride gravel. You can do it on an old road bike with some thicker tires. You can do it on an old mountain bike. You can do it on literally any bike you have. Um, and it's, and it's fun. You just go out and you cruise these beautiful gravel roads or this single track or this greenway or whatever you have near your house. That's smooth and chill. And you can enjoy yourself. You then you, you know, you don't need this crazy mountain bike suspension and all this stuff. So anyway, gravel is at least for us is, is a really smart and safe place for us to, to focus our efforts. Um, because, it is a great place for us to provide that compliance, increase riders enjoyment, increase comfort, all that good stuff. So I would say that's something we're looking at heavily. Um, Second to that would be, we're always taking our current products and changing them. We, we don't, we don't just sit around waiting, you know, sitting around on a product saying, Oh, well, it's good enough. Let's just keep making it good enough. No, good enough is not good enough for cane Creek. Um, And so we are always looking to take every single component we make and make it better. Um, for example katsuma is a great example of that we could have just been riding out the cs line for the next five years and we could have kept making db air cs and db coal cs they work great they were fine um we didn't want to we we're like hey we know we can make this better how let's figure this out so tool-free adjustment all these things that went into katsuma that made that shock that shock so much better uh, bottom brackets you know always looking up up we've recently gone to uh, the hellbender 110 we use we're now using a xd ceramic bearing in that guy which is a about just about one of the best bearings you can put on a, um, on a on a bottom bracket. So that's a good example of like, hey, we're going to take that, we made it even better. So um, aside from you know looking at new markets and new things that we can bring new components into, we're always making our our current stuff better.
2: We'll get back to the Rider-Up podcast in just a moment. But first, a quick note about Virginia's Blue Ridge. You'll hear Dan and I talk a lot about Virginia's Blue Ridge in the podcast because that's where we live and ride. Virginia's Blue Ridge offers what we lovingly call a Metro Mountain Mix, a place where you can play in the mountains while enjoying the arts and culture in and around Roanoke, Virginia, home to many museums, restaurants, festivals, shopping, and so much more. We hope you'll bring your bike, go for a ride, and check out all the region has to offer. Go to visitvbr.com for all things Virginia's Blue Ridge. I got a question. I know Dan doesn't want to talk about gravel, but you and I. Want to... <laughs>
0: I love gravel. So yeah, we'll talk, let's talk all day. Dan can go take it. You can take a break.
2: <laughs> yeah, super granular talking about these shots. <laughs> I think my eyes roll back in my head. Um, but we had Kerry Warner who's a, a pro on here. Uh, and, and we asked him what, what do you think about gravel bikes? Cause he's starting to race gravel. He said he doesn't think he, that gravel bikes know what they want to be yet. Do you agree with he, that? He, he's
0: a little bit right. Yeah. Actually, Kerry, Kerry, I saw him out there at Unbound. And, um, yeah, he, he was out there and he, uh, he, he's a little right. Yeah, I mean, kind of like what I was mentioning about gravel being this wild west where you can, you got people who are riding, you know, old rock hoppers that are built up and oh, basically an old mountain bike that they've converted to a gravel bike, but put, either putting drop bars on it or something. And then you have other guys who are like riding purpose built performance race bikes from, you know, brands, um, you know, like, uh, man. Salsa's is one that's doing like a canyon canyon exact canyon cannondale with topstone and i mean these guys are coming out with these are performance race machines these are not your casual like let me go cruise around a gravel road or a greenway with my kids um so you have a, you have a wide range of what is considered a gravel bike um and yeah it's it's really kind of it's it's figuring itself out right now is what i like to say is out there at unbound man we were seeing all kind of different bikes and setups and components you know people running aero bars because they are doing you know out in kansas you have a yeah. 15 mile straightaway, yeah. and you would get in the air position it's more comfortable more aerodynamic and you know you come to pisgah you don't see anybody running aero bars because our you know we have tight twisty curvy steep mountain roads and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense so yeah. It, yeah it's it's it really is i mean he's i think he's right where they haven't figured out what they want to be but that's also really cool like i think that's that's a good thing yeah. it's yeah. it's cool yeah at this point well
2: there's so many parallels between watching mountain bikes go from you know unsuspended mountain bikes to front suspension to uh, you know the thud buster and and now you know I remember suspension stems on mountain bikes so it's all coming over to gravel right mm-hmm. it's, it's refined it's lighter it's better uh, and but it just seems like a lot and you know, a lot of roadies don't want to deal with cars anymore. So. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. I think, it, yeah, I'd rather on gravel, but I, you know, you got
0: gravel's your, attractive. Uh, it's, it's, it's an attractive thing. You got, you got mountain bikers who, you know, they're like, man, you know, I, I can't get out to the woods all the time, or maybe I can't go to the mountains and or the bike park. Like I want to, but man, I got this, like, you know, gravel road out in the back of the house on these country roads where I got a greenway like I'm not going to pedal my six inch travel mountain bike out there, but so, Hey, let me get this sick gravel bike that has aggressive geometry, wide bars, wide knobby tires, looks a whole lot like a mountain bike. I feel comfortable riding it as a mountain biker. Um, and then, so that's, that's one side. Then you have the road guys, like you said, who are maybe done riding road. Maybe the it's too like the traffic's too bad or they're just, you know, tired. Like they're just looking for something different. That's a little more chill where they can get out in the countryside and then they're, they're not looking to race necessarily. So like, Hey, well, let me get one of these more comfortable gravel bikes. Um and I'll ride this. And so they're kind of pulling the guys from the roadside into gravel. They're kind of pulling guys from the mountainside and back into gravel. So it's kind of taking everybody from every corner and yeah. kind of bringing them in. And I think it's great because I hope that it doesn't change. And I hope that gravel stays this undefined thing, this kind of obscure. You can't really tell me what gravel is yeah. because that, I think that's the beauty of it. It's, it's, it's it, it, yeah, you're definitely not put into boxes, you know? So it's cool. And I think, I think if it stays that way, it's going to continue to be a really fun place to be in cycling to see who's doing what. I mean, you got everything from, you know, bikes running a a 3.0 27.5 tire and an action. And I mean, you got brands like RockShox and Fox making actual forks, suspension forks for gravel specifically now. So, um, yeah. And so that stuff's out there. I mean, I, I think it's I think it's possibly absorbing the best and maybe some of the worst parts of all forms of cycling. And, you know, and, and the dust is going to settle at some point And we'll have maybe what gravel is, but I don't, I don't think you're going to be able to actually define it and put it in a box. I think it's going to be whatever, whatever we want it to be as an industry and as a, as riders, the riders really are driving this. Um, I feel like, you know, brands will put something out there and if it doesn't hit well, and maybe doesn't suit that type of riding, you know, no one buys it. And so it's kind of like, it's defining itself via its sales success. So, you know, the STEM for us, for example, East Oak Seapost, East Oak STEMs have been tremendously popular and we've only had the STEM out for a week now and it's, it's crushing. We have tons of good feedback. People are buying them like crazy. Um, so compliance is huge. So that's something we're seeing and taking a lesson from being like, all right, well, gravel people want, compliance. What can we do? Where is that going to go? Um, you see it like on the specialized. I know, you, I know Dan, you guys are specialized shop. you got the Diverge yeah. with the Future Shock. Yep. Great. Exa- great example of where a brand is like, I know what my rider wants. They're telling me what they want. Yep. Let's implement this. Canendale with the top stone with the kingpin, yep. same thing. Um, so yeah, I think gravel's gravel's in a cool place right now where it could be anything it wants to be and everything it wants to be. Um, and it just depends on who you are as a rider and what, what is your gravel ride? Personally, me, I love going out the mountains and sending it as fast as I possibly can down these sketchy twisty tight gravel roads. Other people like, no, nah, I just want to go cruise flat, or maybe I want to race gravel. Or no, gravel is just what I do when I can't mount bike. I mean, it's it's everything, which I think is really fun, and personally, that's what attracts uh-huh. me to gravel. You've
1: gotten me, you've gotten me somewhat more uh-huh. Uh-huh. interested with uh-huh.
0: that uh, particular uh,
1: uh, example, but um, – Man, I just wanted to say thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us about Cane Creek and the products and the history and the legacy you guys are building. Um, I have one more question that I want to ask you and it's a, one that is a, it's a constant debate in the shop um, uh, here at Cardinal and uh, we fight daily about this specific topic and um, so I'm going to ask you, I like to ask all of our, our guests, um, if you had a fight to the death Okay. You okay. To, uh, I'm ready. Two choices. You can either choose uh, a pick like you would use to get an O-ring out or you can choose a pedal wrench. What are you going with? Fight to the
0: death. Oh, man. The pedal wrench. Get- ran- Pe- pedal wrench. I'm oh. going pedal wrench. Yeah. Oh. I, I want a I blunt object that I can swing around if I absolutely had to. I guess it depends on who I'm fighting, but uh, okay. yeah, yeah I-, I, would, I would have to go pedal wrench, man. It fits in your hand really well. I, I used to use picks all the time here at Cane Creek picking trying to like you know when I was doing uh rebuilds on shocks and I would drop the pick a thousand yeah. times a day. If I yeah. if I had a quarter for every time I dropped a pick when I was working on something I'd be rich and but uh yeah, so I want I want that all right. big old I want that okay. big pedal wrench. I'm
1: gonna add <laughs> it to the spreadsheet. All now right. I'm not gonna reveal what I, not the the, what I'm saying that I would choose right now, I've ga- got to get a large data set, and <laughs> at the, end of the year we'll put out some information on pick or pedal ridge. So I appreciate that. Um, uh, wait a minute, I got a question.
2: Okay. You. Do you ride flat pedals?
0: No, I am hardcore clipped in. I'll, to the point where like, I, I get made fun of, like, I always say, I want to be so clipped in that if I crash, I want the bike coming with me. Yeah. Like, I, I'll, I'll, like if there's a video of me tomahawking down the mountain, the bike is going to be attached to me as I'm tomahawking, man. I want that thing to be, yeah. I, I used to, when I used to ski, I would ski with the tightest bindings I could possibly get. You know, like I, I love that feeling of being in the bicycle. Yeah. Um, I, I rode flats for years. I have a BMX background. I, I grew up racing BMX um, you know, it dirt jumps all day long. I still do. And like when I, when I am like dedicated dirt jumping, I do ride flats, but, uh, mountain bikes all day long, man, I'm, I'm clipped in. Okay.
2: So uh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, uh, so Brian is wearing a hat. that has got fishing fly. It's got a trout on it. So we got three bike guys here, but two of us are fishermen. Well, I would love to go trout
1: fishing with you guys one day. Okay. And and if you, and we're going to put, uh, brian's social media in uh the show notes uh, so you, if you want to see some really cool um you know small stream a uh, little brookie catching action you can follow him uh I, I, him and my buddy lucas that both live in the uh the uh the pisgah area pisgah, down there. yeah
0: yeah, yeah. I, I know i know lucas man i've been yeah. i've been seeing him out in the river man he's he's been, yeah, catching, we, he's been catching him man i know I, I see him all the time you know and uh yeah. I like, so yeah, man. That, that, that's, that's my passion. You know, if I'm not riding a mountain bike, I'm, I'm knee deep in a trout stream. Sometimes doing, sometimes doing both. Let's
1: get down there. Um, John and I'll come visit. We'll, we'll grab one of those factory tours. We'll ride some bikes and we'll go fishing. I mean, it sounds like a perfect, uh, perfect weekend to me. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, I, I, I got a question for you guys because right. you asking me some questions. So this is another hypothetical, um, Cause you know we're, we're down here in the southeast, man. Like we're we're this is the south, you know, and the part of it. So I gotta ask: if you go to a restaurant and you're getting breakfast, you choose the biscuit or do you choose the toast?
2: Oh, biscuit. I mean, yeah, I'm usually a biscuit, biscuit
0: All right, right on. Good answer. That's,
2: <laughs> that, 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 that right
0: answer? That's the right answer. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's only one. There's only one answer here. Yeah. So uh, uh,
1: uh, biscuit head. If you guys are in Asheville, you've been a biscuit. Oh, yeah. Head? Oh my gosh!
0: Yeah, biscuit—that's great. Yeah, there's a a, yeah fancy biscuit restaurants down here all over the place, and you can't go wrong with them. Yeah, it's amazing. So yeah, yeah, Asheville's a great town. Yeah, if anybody wants to come down and visit, obviously we have world class riding. Town's cool. Uh, Yeah, and you can come see Cane Creek. So win win.
1: All right. Awesome. Thanks, Brian, Thanks, so Brian. much for, for the uh, opportunity.
0: Absolutely, guys. This has been awesome. Super fun. Thanks for having me. Um, to, uh, talk some, uh, su- some suspension. I'd these- love to, yeah. I'll, I'll come up and see you guys. We'll do one in person. We'll do a, do a trail side podcast. We'll be out there and do a test and tune. Maybe, maybe live in the podcast would be cool. And like, Yeah, anybody Anybody interested, obviously uh, hit us up at canecreek.com. You can email us at support at canecreek.com. Um, tons of information out there. I would love to hear from you guys. Please, please, please reach out if you have any questions on Cain Creek, man. We love talking to talking bikes. So.
1: Thanks again,
0: Brian.
2: Before you go, just a couple of quick notes. First of all, thanks for listening to the Rider Up podcast presented by Virginia's Blue Ridge, America's East Coast mountain biking capital. If you want to know more about riding your bike in Virginia's Blue Ridge, you should go directly to bikevbr.com, bikevbr.com, all kinds of information there. All of the many accolades the region has received from many of the bike orgs you know, for instance, Virginia's Blue Ridge is an IMBA-designated silver-level ride center, and that's very rare on the eastern half of the United States, just a couple of us. Also, the League of American Bicyclists designate the region as a bronze-level bicycle-friendly business. And as you heard Dan and I say, it's also home to Team 2024, the top women's team in the United States, where top athletes are Olympic hopefuls and record breakers, and many have made it to the Olympics and won medals in the past, and this is where they call home. The fact is that this region is a fantastic cycling destination for mountain bikes, road bikes, and gravel bikes. Just look at the calendar for this year. The Carillion Clinic Ironman 70.3 Virginia's Blue Ridge Triathlon will be set for early June here in Virginia, in Virginia's Blue Ridge. The 2022 USA Cycling Amateur Road National Championship will be from June 29th to July 2nd. The VBR Grand Fondo is set for sunday october 9th and the creature from carvin's cove mountain bike race will be saturday october 16th and 17th and that's part of the virginia's blue ridge endurance series so all kinds of great events and i'm just skimming the tops right there links to everything we talked about in the podcast as well as a link to an awesome youtube video that is just music and beautiful scenery that shows you in about the highest quality i have seen this side of hollywood all the many places to ride here in Virginia's Blue Ridge. For Dan Lucas, I'm John Carlin. Thanks for listening, and I hope to see you out there in Virginia's Blue Ridge.